Hello, my friends, and welcome back for this week's episode of the Perkeavos podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn. Hope you are well. For this week, we're going to be continuing with Perek Bays, Mishnah Yud and Yud Aleph. Chapter 2, Mishnahs 10 and 11. Now, I'm going to be putting these Mishnahs together. Number one is they're short, but they're also very connected, as we're going to see momentarily. Now, Mishnah Yud, let's start. Oh, and always, and as always, if you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out just to say hello, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlomokonkohn at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. The Mishnah begins, Mishnah number Yud, 10. There are five primary ta- students, five primary disciples of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. And the Mishnah lists them off. These are them. Rabbi Elazar ben Horkinus, Rabbi Elazar ben the son of Horkinus, Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya, right? Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya, Rabbi Yosia Cohen, Rabbi Shimon ben Nisanel, Rabbi Shimon the son of Nisanel, Rabbi Elazar ben Aruch, and Rabbi Elazar, the son of Aruch. Now, before we turn to Yud Aleph, to Mishnah 11, Mishnah 11 is going to break down the praises of all these five disciples of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. So again, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was the teacher. He had five disciples. And now Mishnah Yud Aleph, Mishnah 11, that's we're about to start momentarily, is going to, to list the praises that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, their Rebbe, their Rabbi, would say on each of his students. He's going to say the, the positive attributes of each one of his five main disciples. And before we begin, I, I think one lesson we could see here, before we even start the Mishnah, is the need for us to look for the positive in others to compliment people. When's the last time that you complimented somebody? When's the last time someone complimented you? Right? We know we might notice when someone complimented us, but it's a two-way street. We have to be able to compliment others. And the Mishnah, Mishnah 10 and Mishnah 11, are showing us the importance of, you know, people to give compliments. You can imagine that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, he was a great Torah sage, he was a leader, and he had these students who, in their own, you know, each one of them in their own right was massive, but yet he still felt the need to praise each and every one of them. And it wasn't that this is how he praised them, it got compiled into, a, into the Mishnah, right? There's obviously something deeper here than just giving them a compliment to make them feel good, right? There's different lessons to be learned. But I, I, I see, I believe first and foremost, before we even get to these deeper lessons, we see the importance of giving compliments, of looking for the positive in others. And this is compounded in a situation, in a scenario where we're other people's mentors. You know, people look up to us. You know, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was their teacher. He was their Rebbe. And he felt it necessary to give them compliments to each and every one of them. And, you know, we don't have to be a, a teacher to give a compliment. Everyone, we all have people 
that look up to us, people that we mentor, people who are younger than us, um, people that could use a good word. We should try to use, you know, take an opportunity, take a moment to think of something good to say to them, to give them a compliment. And the way that you give a compliment is by giving a real compliment. So you might think to, you might be thinking to yourself right now, you know, how do I should just give a compliment, and make something up, and and um, fake it? They're gonna pick up on me that it's fake. And I believe the answer to that is also found in this Mishnah because in Yud Aleph, in the next Mishnah that we're about to start, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai lists specific attributes that each one of his students had. He didn't he didn't just say, you know, you're the best. You're all the best. No, that, that's like a, a little bit of a cop-out. It's a nice thing to say, but it's, it's not going to hit the spot like a specific compliment. You know, you're such a compassionate person. You're such a smart individual. You always are put together so nicely, right? Which compliment talks to you more? Is it a general just statement? It's a, you're, the, you're a nice person. You're the best. You're the greatest. Or is it something specific? You always know how to handle a situation, right? So I believe the way that we make compliments real and authentic is by thinking of something specific and trying to give it over to that person. I think that this is one of the lessons that we see in this Mishnah as well, that it's not just enough to compliment, but we, in order to make that compliment something real, something authentic, we have to find something specific about that person and give them a compliment. And that's something that takes a little thought. And whenever something takes a little thought, it's always appreciated more. So I believe that's one thought that we can have before we even go into this Mishnah now. So now the Mishnah 11, Mishnah Yudalaf begins, Who are you, Moina Shvachan? He used, to, he used to enumerate their praises. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai would, would say the praises of these five disciples. He started off. Rabbi Elazar ben Horkinus, Rabbi Elazar, the son of Horkinus, bore sud she'enay ma'abitipa. He said, my student, Rabbi Elazar ben Horkinus, is like a cemented well, a cemented cistern that doesn't lose a drop of water. Meaning, just like a well, if it's sealed properly, it keeps the water in, nothing escapes. So too, my student, um, Rabbi Lazar ben Horkinus, has uh, he doesn't lose a drop. He doesn't lose anything. Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya, Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya, Rabbi Yeshua the son of Hananya, Ashrei Yeladito. He would say about him, praiseworthy is the woman who bore him. Praiseworthy is his mother who gave birth to him, right? That she she gave birth to such a special person, to such a special child. Ashrecha, she's praised. Rabbi Yossi Kohen, Rabbi Yossi the Kohen, the priest, chassid. He would say that he's a he's a chassid. He's a pious person. And when we say pious, when he's a chassid, doesn't mean he's chassidic that he has. Pay is coming out of his head and a beard and a, and a black coat. That's not what Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai means. It means that he is a pious person. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later. About what does chasidus mean? What is it? How we can all be chasidim? It means living your life 
you know, above and beyond, not just doing the basic requirements. Rabbi Shimon ben Nisanel, Rabbi Shimon the son of Nisanel, Yore Chet. He is, he is a, he fears sin. He fears sin. That was his praise that he's, he's always a Yore Shomayim. He's, he, he has fear of God. He doesn't want to sin. He always wants to do the right thing. Rabbi Lazar ben Aroch, Kimayin Hamizgaber. Rabbi Lazar, the son of Aroch, is like a, a spring that is constantly getting stronger and stronger. So these are the five students. And these are the five praises that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai would tell about his five different students. And each one is specific. Now, I wanted to go through each one on their own. The first idea, the first thought, actually, which takes me back for a moment just to our first idea, is that when we talk about compliments like that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai did, you know, you never know where that compliment can go and you never know what you're going to do for that other person. You know, there's a famous story that I've heard many times that they're in, in these um, slaughterhouses or in these factories. In the factories where they process food, they have these massive commercial freezers and refrigerators. And there was a mashkiach, which is a kosher supervisor, used to watch to make sure that all the products that would come into the factory would be kosher, would be properly certified everything that was happening was going on in the right way. And every day when he would come into the factory, he would make sure to greet the security guard with a warm hello. And on his way out, he would greet the same security guard with an equally warm goodbye. Day in, day out, this mashkiach, this kosher supervisor would do this in the factory. One day, they are closing up the factory and the security guard comes to the, to the boss or the person in charge of the facility and says, the rabbi, the mashkiach, he didn't leave today. He's somewhere in the building. And they say, what do you mean? We, we check, everyone checked out. Um, everyone's out. It's not a problem. We're going to close up. He says, no, I'm telling you, look around. He is here. And they looked around. They didn't find anybody. And he, and he still is insistent. I'm telling you that the mashkiach, this rabbi who's making sure everything's kosher is still here. Check again. And they checked again. And this time they checked the freezer, the commercial freezer. And they found that the mashkiach had gotten locked in the commercial freezer. And they, were, and they saved his life. Because if he would have been left in there overnight, he would have died. And the they asked the security guard after he was rescued, how did you know that he was in the building? How did you know this, that he didn't leave? And he said to him that every day when this rabbi, when this mashkiach, when he comes in to the factory, he greets me with such a warm hello. And when he leaves, he gives me the same greeting goodbye that to leave. And every day I know, I look forward to when he comes and when he leaves so I could, I could receive his warm hello and his warm goodbye. And I know every single day when he comes in and I know every single day when he leaves. And today, I know he came to say hello to me, but he did not come by to say goodbye. And that's how I knew something was wrong and he was stuck in the building. But we see that this, just giving someone a warm hello, right? Giving them a, a, a greeting, a compliment like that, it, you know, it's connected, I believe. Made such a difference to this individual that it, it saved his life. It saved the mashkiach, this mashkiach, this coach or supervisor. He, he looked forward to this every single day. And you never know 
how your words are impacting someone else. Now, the Mishnah, the first compliment is Bor Sud Sheim Abitipa. And, and really, that it's it's that his student, Rabbi Elizabeth Horkinus, was like a, a well that didn't lose any water. He had such a great memory. That's what he was trying to praise his memory, that he, he remembered everything. So you might say, like, why is that such a big compliment? Because someone's born with a good memory, it's it's a compliment to him. And what I would answer to you is, you know, depending on your age, if I ask you, where were you standing when JFK got shot? So for those of you who are older, you'll know exactly where you were standing. You might even know what you're wearing, maybe, maybe not, but you know where you're standing. You know where you were and who was around you. For those younger my age, if you ask me where I was standing when the World Trade Centers got struck, I could tell you exactly, exactly where I was standing. Middle of davening, in, the, in, in elementary school, I was sitting by the bima, standing by the bima, I'm sorry. And someone came into the show and said, planes had struck the building. But I remember exactly where I was. I remember it. Remember, I remember that day very clearly. And, you know, if you ask me what happened the day before, the day after, I don't remember. But the point is, is that that event made such an impact in my mind. And, you know, the same thing can be said for JFK getting shot. It made such an impact in people's mind that they knew where they would were for the rest of their lives. They remember that moment. And the, the, the point is, is that we're all not geniuses. We're all, you know, there, I'm sure there are some geniuses out there. Some of you are geniuses. But the point is, is that things that are important to us, we remember. Did you ever forget your birthday? Or better yet, I mean, I shouldn't ask this question for the men. Did you ever forget your wife's birthday? Probably the men have forgotten that. But either way, the point is, is that, do you remember your first car, that model car that you had? Do you remember your first grade teacher? Certain things which are important to us, you remember. And the, the, the lesson here is that our Torah learning and our mitzvah observances, the things that we do, we also have the ability to remember it in such a way that it makes an impact that nothing gets forgotten. They asked uh, a certain great sage, how do you remember everything? He says, no, I, I don't have such a great memory. You know, I can't remember what I had for supper. But it's so important to me the, the Torah learning that I learned, I'm, I, I don't want to learn, I don't want to lose any bit of it. So this should be our attitude as well when we study Torah, when we learn, just try to, to, to recognize its importance. And when we recognize the importance of what we're doing, God willing will help us retain what we study and I'll stay much more embedded in the forefront of our mind. Now, Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya, Ashrei Yolarito. Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya, he would say, Praiseworthy is the woman who bore him. It's she who bore him, more literally. Now, what I comes to my mind when we think of this, when I think of this compliment, is that us as Jews, our mission is to be a light onto the nations. And the what's ideally what's supposed to happen is that when people see us, they say, wow, that is what happens to a person who studies Torah. Look at the Jewish people, God's nation, how they, so they're such, you know, um, refined people. They, 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 they do what's right. 
That's what we're supposed to be accomplishing in the world. Um, and really, this is how us as individuals, we can't control other people, but we can control our own actions. And it's not far-fetched for a person to think to themselves or for other people to think that when they see you walking around, when they see you, you know, going about your daily life, that they have this recognition. They say, wow, look at the Jewish person. Look how he conducts himself. Look how she conducts herself. And that's a Kiddush Hashem. And I believe that is the compliment that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was giving to his student, Rabbi Shua ben Hananya, that whatever he did, he always, people looked at him and said, wow, what a special person. And he was a walking Kiddush Hashem. He was a walking sanctification of God's name. And that is something that we can all relate to. We could all, you know, we don't have to be a giant Torah sage for people to look up to us and to look at us as role models. You just have to live your life according to the ideals of the Torah to treat, you know, follow the Torah, to treat people nicely, to have a smile on your face. And God willing, people are going to have that reaction to you. The third student, Rabbi Yossi HaChassid, Rabbi Yossi HaKohen, Rabbi Yossi HaKohen Chassid. Rabbi Yossi the Kohen was is a pious person. And really the, the question, as I mentioned before, is when you think of a Chassid, doesn't mean someone from Williamsburg. That's a, the Hasidic movement. But the literal sense of the word Chassid means a pious person. Now, pious, you don't have to have a beard or pious or pious to be pious pun intended. A person can be a chassid, a pious individual, even if they are clean shaven, right? Doesn't make a difference um, where you live. We all have the ability to, 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 to be chassidim, to be a chassid, to, to live on an elevated state because the literal sense of the word chassid means that we live our lives above the minimum. We're trying to do a little bit more than what's required of us. And it doesn't mean necessarily doing more all the time. It could sometimes mean doing a mitzvah for the sake of doing the mitzvah, not for the sake of our honor, for our, for our glory, for our own ego, or for how other people should look at us. Sometimes chasidus, doing something with piety, is when we do it because God told us to do it. We do it for the sake of Hashem. We don't do it for anybody else. We don't do it because we're gonna, we're, we care what other people think. We're doing it because it's right. That's also acting like a chassid. The point is when we do things that are a little bit above what is required of us, that already puts us into an elevated status of living our life on a higher plane. And that is the idea, that is the compliment that Rabbi Yossi HaKohen had from his Rebbe, from his teacher, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, that he lived his life as a chassid. He always did a little bit more than what was required of him. The fourth student, is Rabbi Shimon ben Nasanel He was he had fear of God, and this is also a very crucial component that a person must have in the service of Hashem, in the service of God. That it can't just be, you know, we, we we strive to do things out of love, but we also have to have a certain level of fear in our observance of our, of our mitzvot as well. There's two sides when it comes to our relationship with God. There's there's um. There's mercy and justice and 
mercy and din, mercy and, and judgment. And we it's important when we relate to God is he's, he's our father, but he's also our king. And we have to have this balance of love and of fear as well. That was the compliment that Rabbi Yochanan Zaki was giving to Shimon ben Hassan. On the final student, Rabbi Lazar ben Arach, he was like a, 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 like a spring that was flowing stronger and stronger. And the, the commentaries tell us that his mind was a penetrating mind. He was able to fully grasp ideas and concepts. And, and he had a broad understanding of many things. And from that, that basis of, you know, in, in his mind of being able to have this broad understanding and being able to penetrate things, he was able to create chidushe Torah. He was able to create new understandings in parts of the Torah. He was able to resolve difficulties in the Torah. He was able to use his creative mind to, to produce Torah ideas and, and, and Torah thoughts and to resolve questions. And, and, and according to some commentaries that Rabbi Elizabeth ben Arach, he was able to grasp um, ideas, very deep ideas. Now, there's a very interesting story that's brought down in the Talmud about Rabbi Elizabeth ben Arach. And we're going to actually say in the next Mishnah that Rabbi Elizabeth ben Arach was so great that he he outweighed the other four students. He was extremely he was he was the the greatest of of all the students. And the Talmud tells us that his wife convinced him to move to a town called Amos. And in Amos, it was a beautiful city. It was a vacation resort where they had fine food and great weather. And taking his wife's advice, he moved from the Yavne, which was the capital of the yeshiva movement where everyone, all the scholars were found and moved to this area where there wasn't really a yeshiva, where there was fine food and luxuries. And the Talmud, said, the Talmud tells us that from him being there, he completely, eventually, he completely forgot his learning until, you know, the, the Talmud says that instead of reading in the parsha Achoydesh Hazel Ochem, that the beginning of the months, this, the month shall be for, the, for you, the beginning of the months. He read it mistakenly as Hacheresh Hazel Ochem. He read it mistakenly as Hacheresh Hayalibam that their hearts became deaf until the prophet Elijah restored his learning back to his original self. But the idea is, is that even such a great scholar that he was, he did not stay in a place of learning. He did not have the support network to, to keep his, his, uh, his level of learning. And we know if you're not gaining, you're losing. And eventually he lost all of his learning till the point where he read the verses incorrectly. Can you imagine someone who had this deep understanding? He was greater than all the rest of the students combined. But yet, even though he, he moved to a place where there was no Torah, where there was no study, and he lost it all. And this shows us the importance of having a teacher, having a community, um, and being part of something. Having a study partner. And in this generation, we're, we're very blessed that no matter where you are in the world, you have access to Torah resources, right? You could be anywhere. There's, there's places of study all over the world. That's number one. There's podcasts located on the internet which you could download, such as this podcast. And there's, you know, there's a plethora of materials available. But in those times, it was not like that. And the idea is that we need to connect ourselves to sources of Torah, 
to, and the best is always a place of Torah, to live in a place where there's a community, a study hall, where there's a, a kolel. And if we don't have that, we have other resources such as the internet to make sure we get good um, Torah sources, Torah learning. Um, but, and even there's other things out there that give people study partners over the phone. And um, we should take advantage of that. So with that, I'm going to finish for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.